What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Scratch Agency Podcast, hosted by Scratch Agents for Scratch Agents. My name is Stephen Termal, founder of T5 Insurance Services in Utica, New York. I'm joined by my co-host today, the one and only Mr. Sean Fitzgerald from LAF Advisors in Long Island, New York. Sean, what's up in Long Island today? Man, I'm feeling great today. I got this really delicious iced cup of coffee, Utica coffee. Thank you, Stephen, Mm. for the mug, which I've probably had on every single episode now. There you but, go. Uh, yeah, it's hitting extra hard today. So feeling good. Excited to talk to uh, Mike for the first time, and excited to be uh, recording again. We took a little recording break, so cause, you know we were a little ahead. So it's it's nice to be back on here. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Well, like uh, Sean just talked about, we got a great show for you all today, and really looking forward to diving deep into the scratch journey here. We've got Michael Sharp on the show. Mike is the agency <laughs> owner of Sharp Insurance Agency. Mike, thanks for taking your time to join us. How are you today, sir? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. It's actually funny. My name's not Michael, and I have to deal with that over and over again. But my real name is Mike. Well, yeah. we're gonna we're, I've taking we're... a lot of people's five dollars for that. Perfect. <laughs> I'll Ven- I'll Venmo you the five dollars. We're leaving it as Michael Sharp, and then I and then I hit it back with Mike. So perfect. But Mike, thanks for joining us today, Mike. Uh, hit us. Uh, uh, you know anybody that maybe listens to you for the first time, we'll just we talked a little bit about your other podcasts you've been on and the incredible story you've had of how you got to insurance. But we want to deep dive deep into the scratch journey and, and, and looking back at those startup days and, and some of the things that you can share with our listeners. So uh, if you want to mind just quickly introducing yourself and we'll go from there. Yeah. So like I said, my name is Mike Sharp. I'm in actually Pittsburgh. So I'm in the South Hills of the Pittsburgh area. Um, started a scratch agency in August of 2020. So I'm about to hit the uh, three-year mark on that. Um, you know, I've been, that was actually, I got my insurance license and then just opened an agency. So I didn't work for another like agent anywhere, no captives, actually no property and casualty insurance at all. So when I opened up, I really had no idea, but I had done life insurance. So I thought like, ah, property and casualty can't be that hard. Let's, you know, let's just jump right into it. And, uh, I was wrong. I didn't know anything about property and casualty, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've learned how to, how to survive in this game so far. So, um, but yeah, that's pretty much the story of how we got to sharp insurance agents, just starting life insurance. Um, and then decided, Hey, I think I want to go over to the property and casualty side. And so open an agency. Mike, how did you um, how did you go from you know starting scratch and getting carrier appointments without having that PNC experience? Uh, how did you how did you get those appointments? Like, what did that whole process look like for you? Yeah, so coming from the life side, I thought like, oh, everybody just gives us appointments; it's pretty easy. That's <laughs> not the case on property and casual. Right? Like you guys know, like they are kind of jerks about property and casualty appointments. And I, I, I'm still baffled by that today, how it's difficult for me to like ask a company to sell their products. And they're like, yeah, we don't know, maybe him haul around, make you wait for weeks. Um, but yeah. for me, so I started with um, approaching Erie insurance. So they're in New York. I'm sure you guys have heard of them. Um, but I asked them, you know, if I could have a contract. And at the time I was going to take my series seven, I tell the recruiter like, man, I'm going to take this exam. I'm going to do all this stuff. I'm going to open an agency. And he's just like, yeah, I don't, I'm not really hiring any more agents this year. And I'm like, bro, it's like April. What do you, what do you mean? And uh, he's like, nah, we're not. Yeah, we're, we're good, man. Thanks. So I'm like, wow. Okay. So having, again, no idea about the insurance property and casualty side, I just kind of started meeting up with people. I've, went through my LinkedIn. I found that my one buddy actually oversees like the Iroquois group out here, which is an aggregator. 
kind of sat and talked with him about things and they have a program to bring people on. Um, I met with SIA, State Farm, uh, Allstate, Farmers, Goosehead. And I came back and I was like, nah, I just want to be an independent agent. I want to control all of the contracts. I want to be directly appointed with all the carriers. So I was scrolling LinkedIn again and I see the Pittsburgh branch manager for Erie posted a thing that said, Hey, you know, we're looking for great agents in our area. And so I just sent her a message like, Hey, I asked somebody before and you guys said you weren't hiring. She's, she's like, let's get together and meet. So I meet with her. I don't have a license yet. She's like, well, we can't do anything until you get a license. So I study, I get my license and I call her back. I'm like, all right, I'm ready. And that was really the start of it. I got the Erie appointment first and um, it was a long process. So like, you know, not having experience, I'm thinking every company is going to be like Erie, but they're not right. So, but like Erie put me through like a lot of, scrutiny before giving me a contract right they you know sat down like very detailed five-year business plan um very detailed called your friend from like 20 years ago right yeah yeah i mean the background check was crazy (laughs) the um the meetings like i i met with the local district sales manager the the local vice president the regional vice president like people at home office then it went to some committee and all of and i had to write like my whole life story down about why i should get this get this appointment and dude i'm telling you it was it was absolutely nuts however i will say it's been one of the best things that i've ever did though because they provide more support more money more everything than just about every other carrier that we deal with um Mm. And so that that's been awesome because you get the independence, but you still have a little bit of captive um, mentality in the company in which like they are meeting with you. They're talking with you. I have direct relationships with prop, um, both personal lines and commercial line underwriting. So because of that, I was able to apparent, I guess, seemingly do well because of the support and training and things that I got. And they have a great product too, which is nice, um, very helpful, but you know, they, they just like, you know, if you're a scratch agent, you're looking at trying to get on like they they have a program in the beginning where um, they basically give you a draw like no company does this, but they give you four thousand dollars a month your first year. And what happens is like you basically as you earn commission. So like the first month I took it, I got four grand the next month I was getting commission. So I got like thirty six hundred the next month I was already earning over four grand. So I didn't get the draw anymore. What I didn't know, my buddy in Indiana told me, he's like, hey, watch your sheet. Whatever you don't use in that money, Erie pays it to you as a bonus. And I said, what? So as long as you hit your first metrics, at the end of my first calendar year, I got like an $8,000 bonus. What I didn't realize was because, you know, the four times 12 is what, 48 grand or something like that. $36,000 $36,000 of that money you have to pay back, or I'm sorry, 48, you have to pay it all back but at the end of the third year, right? So like coming up right now in this August, I could wait one more year and then I'd have to start paying that loan money back that I got the first year or draw money. But because I didn't use it every year that I hit the number of sales, um, Erie bonuses me 12 grand. Hmm. Had I used the money, Erie would have just taken that 12 grand off the loan, but because Mm -hmm. I didn't use all the money, I was already producing enough to not need it. They, uh, they just bonus me 12 grand every September. So it's been, (laughs) that's been great, right? No other carrier 
is doing that. Like none, right? Like mm. I called Progressive and I was like, can I have an appointment? They're like, sure. Right? Like I called Foremost. I'm like, can I have an appointment? They're like, yeah. Right? Like no, no meetings or nothing. So that financial support has been awesome, right? Because the first, the first year, I mean, I'm sure other agents used more of that money, but because they were able to bonus it back to me, that was pretty cool. So their program, it's pretty awesome. On top of that, I think the first year they gave me $5,000 in marketing, co-branded marketing, spend it on whatever I want, five grand. Here you go. Bought an office sign. They paid for the office sign. They paid for my website to get built and they paid for the maintenance of that website for the first two years. So I didn't pay anything for the first two years on the website. So the support and stuff you get made it worth the rigmarole of the five-year business plan, the meetings, and all this other jazz, right? The only other person, the only company that came even close to that was Travelers. Um, The guy came out. He's retired now. Great dude. But, uh, you know, he talked like this, and he was real old, you know, kind of guy. And he was like, all right, Mike, we don't really appoint scratch agents. That's not something we do. But uh, I'm going to come out and sit down and meet you. Like, so he comes out to my office, and he sits down, and we're kind of talking. He's like, you know. Um, you know, my prior life, I think helped a little bit cause he was a claims adjuster and he worked with a lot of cops and he thought that was cool. And I just kind of told him like, look, man, I, I'm going to write insurance, right? Like I'm going to do it. I'm going to go out here. I'm going to attack the market. And I'd love for travelers to be a partner in that. But if not, I understand I'm a scratch agent. You guys aren't really willing to take that risk, but you're going to miss the boat. He's like, all right, I'll let you know. He leaves my office and he goes on vacation for like two weeks. And I'm like, ah, oh, dude, I screwed it up. I went too hard on the give it to me or not. Right. And so <laughs> too um, casual. Yeah. Way too. Right. And so the guy ends up uh, coming back and I shoot him an email. I'm like, Hey man, I really haven't heard anything. Just let me know. Like, if you guys aren't interested, I understand. He's like, no way, man. Sorry. Went on vacation. We're going to give you an appointment. I'll be out to your office next week. I'm like, wow. So uh, I got a traveler's appointment directly right after that, which conversely kind of upset Erie a little bit just because they're a direct competitor. But I think after a while they understood that it did. I think the first year I wrote like close to a million dollars and like 800 of it was with Erie and the other couple hundred was with travelers and progressive. And so they kind of were getting theirs and they didn't really get upset about it. But um, so was that first, that first year of a million dollars was just you. Yeah, I didn't hit. So I think the first year was close to me. It was like 950 Mm because I started in August so from August to the end of that December, I wrote like 350,000. And then from August to August, it was like 900, like 60, 970,000, somewhere in there. Yeah. Here's, so here's what I want to dive into. Something that you said real early on about just not knowing, right? And you said, especially you didn't have a background. I came from a family agency of six and a half years and I still can't, I, I give you so much kudos for just jumping into it without knowing anything and saying, I'm doing this. And I'm and like, you said to the travelers guy, I'm going to sell insurance. So you get on the boat or not. Like I, I, my hat's off to you for that. Um, my question is for the listeners, what are some advice that you would give people that kind of get stuck in that of like, Oh, I don't know this. So I, I shouldn't go down that road. Cause I don't know about it. Or, you know, I'm nervous, I'm nervous to start a scratch agency. Cause I'm not sure I'm going to know every step of the way, which we all know on this call right now, you're not going to know every step of the way until you are in it and have to figure out that step. Right. Cause the only option to do is to figure out, I'm just curious for someone who had no experience jumps in, did so well, like their first year continuing to grow and all those great things you told us, what advice would you give for people? people that are saying, well, I'm not sure. Cause I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. I think the first part is like 
not everyone should own an agency. Um, and that's kind of hard to say, but like, because it's a lot more than just selling insurance, like selling insurance is the easy part. It's all this crap on the back end, developing your processes so that the next person can come in and know exactly what to do, how you do it, the way you do it, um, working with carrier partners and making sure they're all happy with the way your agency works with their company, um, managing all of these different contracts between phone providers, internet providers, management systems, radar systems. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff in this in the agency world that aren't selling insurance and if you work for an insurance agency right now and you're like i could do this myself just remember that you show up to an office where the computers the phones and everything and the lights just come on when you walk in when you're the agency owner you're the one that provides all that right so number one not everyone should own an insurance agency but if you decide to do this and join the circus you should <laughs> um really look at the most important thing for me is that from nine to five, at least in my first year, probably first two years is all about selling insurance. It's not the time to figure out how I'm going to do my Google ads. It's not the time to figure out which management system is going to work out. It's not the time to do a bunch of other stuff that seems like you're working. You woke up, got dressed, went to your office or your kitchen table or wherever, and we're like, for two hours today, I'm going to learn about how to maximize Google ads. And then I for two hours today, I'm going to learn about what I should do yeah. with Facebook ads. It's all about that the is not the time to do that. From nine to five, it's solely the time to find three to five people every day that will let you quote their insurance and sell them insurance. From 5.30 in the morning to 9, sure, learn about Google Ads. Research phone systems. Research management systems. From 5.30 to 9 o'clock at night, figure out whatever it is you want to figure out. But during the work day, that's your time. Those revenue-producing hours. And you should only do revenue-producing activities. Yeah, because you got to survive. Mike, talk to me. So that first year in business, so you open up the agency. Who trained you to think like this? Was it? Did Erie have a big, big assistance with that, or did you have a mentor, or what, what helped uh, no, you so think I to spent, be? I spent a ahead, bunch sorry. of years in life insurance sales. Right. So mm. I had been selling life insurance for New York gotcha. Life. I was a manager there for a while. Um, and then I switched to Mass Mutual, which kind of, you know, pushed mm. me into doing the agency ownership. I just wanted to gotcha. do something different. I didn't really care. Um, but the most important probably upbringing was the time I spent in life insurance because that, if anybody's ever sold life insurance only and financial products only, that's a tough sell, mm. right? It's a long sales cycle. It's hard to get appointments. Once you get the appointment, you get the people in the meeting, and then they decide on if they want to do anything. Then you go have another meeting, and you got to have an application. Then you go and get their medical done, and then doctor's yeah. records, and then they finally get approved. And it's at, you know, tobacco class two because they didn't tell you this, or it was, you know, whatever. So now you got to go back out and sell stuff. And so, like in life insurance, your pipeline's got to be full in order for you to eat. Like you have to have a bunch of clients there. So when I took that mentality of that and I brought it to this, it just translated better because this product's a little easier. I was telling somebody else, like it's, it's unbelievable that like people are like, yeah, quote my house and my car. I don't care. Hopefully you can beat my rate by two or three bucks. And I'm like, dude, this is the most ex 
important thing in your life outside your life, right? Like your house is usually your biggest investment. Your car is usually second. And they're just willy-nilly. Like people will just go online and pick coverages they have no idea about. They'll just let any Joe Schmo quote their insurance. And it's like, you know, when something happens to your house and you're upset at the insurance company, like did you self-reflect on the fact that like you didn't pick a good insurance advisor to help you? protect your home did you you just let anybody do this and you save 10 bucks and you're happy about it so the point is that it's a lot easier to to get people to to allow you to write their insurance if you just ask them so because i was able to do that and take that mentality from the life insurance side and apply it to the property and casualty side it kept my pipeline a lot more full than i could actually handle in the beginning like it was really hard to and it still is like it's still hard today to manage the amount of quote requests that we get and then get the quotes out, sell the policies, service the policies, do all that. It's hard to do that, you know. So um, that's where I got the mentality to do that. I just applied the principles I got from life insurance to this. But I think also, I mean, if you're if you're a real salesperson, like that's just how you think, right? Like, if you're a real salesperson, like you're like you know, a shark tenacious to get after it. That's just how you think. Like you just think like, Hey, these are the times that I have to do business and all this other stuff. Like it needs done, but I got to find a different time to do it because my clients need me now. So at what point did you make your first hire? Um, actually pretty early on because I was still working another job full time. So like I would leave my office at like two and I would go to work as a policeman and I had to like, I was still kind of answering the phone, right? Cause I had the voiceover internet phone. So I could answer the phone anywhere. I could have a laptop. I could do anything, but it was getting too busy. And like a lot of people were calling after two o'clock still, we were still open per office hours. So I had a lot of people calling. So I basically hired someone 1099 to just start answering my phone. They didn't need to do anything. She didn't need to learn how to put it in the management system, learn how to do anything. Just literally fill out my quote sheet, take messages. If people needed service, just, just answer the phone and manage that. I could do everything else. Just manage that. So I hired somebody for like a few hours a week to do that. And then, so I started in August of 2020 in January of 21, I hired my first person part-time like she's in the office noon to five every day yep um thankfully still with me um she had no experience got her licensed um she's still here today literally like i don't know where i'd be without that person like she's been phenomenal um and then i want to say last year got her licensed before that we brought her on full-time just because we were getting busier um, so we brought nice. her on full time. I want to say late twenty one, and then early twenty two, she got licensed. Nice, Mike. I wanted to. Uh, sorry, we're jumping around here a little bit, but I wanted to bring it back to that that first year, right? So you have a. It sounds like you have a really strong sales background from New York Life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which translated very well to the PNC world. So that first year, what is that mix of business life like? Is it a lot of life insurance with Erie? Is it a mix of life? auto home like what did the what did the mix look like no i actually didn't do very well selling life my business plan to erie was like i'm gonna do all this life because i know that but i actually didn't do yeah. very well selling life insurance um it was mostly just personal lines um insurance and so um houses and gotcha. cars and then like very little life insurance okay. and then we mixed in a little bit of commercial insurance in there okay cool and what were the what were the revenue 
producing tasks that you focused on that that first year because that that's a lot of business to generate the first year in business with no PNC experience. So were you were you cold calling like crazy? Were you just calling family and friends? What did that whole process look like? Well, and to add on to that, Mike, I think tell us like you said, I love that nine to five is is the time for this for these type of tasks. You know, tell us yep. what that looks like for you, what it did in the early days, what it looks like for you now, and love to hear about that more. Yeah, I mean, so when I first started, I mean, I didn't have any clients and I didn't even know how to get clients. So I just created a note in my phone. I told people like, hey, you know, you, uh, what did I say? I opened an insurance agency. I'm sure you guys probably already have insurance. Um, I'd be surprised if you didn't. Um, but, you know, if you if you think of, you get a quote, if you need a quote, please reach out. If you know somebody is talking about insurance, think of me first and pass the referral. And I created that note in my phone, and then I um, I sent it to every contact in my phone, like <laughs> every one of them, from A all the way to Z. And I'm looking at some people's name, I'm like, that person's not going to buy insurance. So what, Mike? Send it to them anyway, right? And like you, you have that fight with yourself because you know people, and you're like, this person's not going to do that. This person's not going to do this. But so what? What's the worst that can happen if I sent Sean a text that said, hey, Sean, I just opened an insurance company. I'm sure you already have insurance, but if you don't, you know, hit me up. And if you know anybody, like, what's the worst that's going to happen? The absolute worst. Sean deletes my phone number, and I never hear from him again. The best thing that can happen is that Sean's like, hey, Mike, I actually am in the market for insurance. I'd love for you to give me a quote. Right? So you got nothing to lose is my point. So um, from there, um, I did, like, uh, I talked to my friend in West Virginia. Great dude. His agency's growing like crazy. Um, he's just phenomenal. And he said, Hey, Facebook allows you to have 5,000 friends. I said, really? I said, yeah. He's like, go make 5,000 friends. So I literally just went through to my friends and I started seeing who their friends were. And I just started adding people. I didn't know them. I have two Facebooks for the record, but on my other one with my middle initials, like all of my sharp insurance stuff and it's more insurance and I live my life on there a little bit, but that's how you kind of, we can talk about that later, how you keep people to engage with your, your social media page. But, um, so I took that Facebook page and I just got, I got to 4,000, like 900 friends, 990 or something like that. Just enough so that it wasn't over. And a couple of times I did reach 5,000 and I tried to add people and it was like, you can't, you are over 5,000. So I had to go through, <laughs> delete people and that kind of stuff. That's why, that's the main reason, like insurance agents friend me all the time on Facebook and I'd love to be friends with them. Like I have no problem trying to be friends <laughs> with people, but I don't accept the request because I need that space for clients. <laughs> and so, so I don't accept insurance agents requests for, for Facebook. That's why I tell all the insurance agents just hit me up on LinkedIn. So I get these 5,000 friends and then I just start posting about insurance. And then I start posting about like, Hey, we just saved Sean $1,900 on his home insurance. Like he has Liberty mutual and they charge way too much. And then people are like, I have Liberty mutual. What can you do for me? And so that like to this day still generates a lot of business. Like, cause not, you know, I have 5,000 friends, but they don't all see the content, right? Like, Facebook algorithm doesn't do that. That's why, to my point before, like you have to post other things that are actually engaging. Like I think I posted today something. It was actually kind of funny. It was like, what did it say? It was hilarious. It was about jellyfish and not having brains. But uh, I like you have to post this engaging stuff. Uh, the fact that jellyfish have survived 650 million years despite not having brains is great news for some people. 
right? Like, not a lot of people liked it, but people, enough people like it and laugh at it that, like, Facebook thinks, oh, people like to see the content from Sharp Insurance Agency, so keep posting that in front of other people. It'll keep them on the platform yeah. longer. So, like, you have to post those kind of things. It can't just be, like, you know, Sean saved 100 bucks this month on insurance. It's got to be other stuff that makes people like your content, share your content, like your content, share your content, comment on your content. Then when you do post that Sean saved $1,500, $1,200, those same people that liked it and shared your other comment or commented on your other content are now seeing that insurance content. And I think that's what a lot of people miss about the Facebook thing. Then there's some things to like timing, the time that you put things on the platform. But anyways, so I I digress. Point is I was trying to make was that um, I got the 5,000 friends. I just blast it out there. What we every time we save somebody a ton of money, like I was putting it out there. Um, and instead of the other thing is like you can't put links. Like if you type something on Facebook, the main content says, "Hey, Sean saved five thousand dollars." Blah blah blah. Go to this link and you can too. You can't do that because the link then takes people out of Facebook, and Facebook doesn't like that. They don't like you putting something in there so that people leave that. So you have to just put in there, see comments, and you put your mm. link in the comments so that way the algorithm doesn't see that you're taking people out of the out of the system to go somewhere else so did a lot of that man and then join in facebook groups and i just do a lot on facebook and then i just do a lot in the community and i just like everybody knows i wear my shirts and, and the logo we were talking about branding before we got started um you know i try to put the logo on everything i can everywhere i can now, during that first year, I guess two parts of this question. We talk a lot on the podcast, especially since we're geared towards scratch agents, of just like what I don't think we talk enough, scratch agents talk enough about is like the mental battle of this game, right? And like <laughs> you said, like, man, what a day. Or I have no idea how to answer this question, but I got to find the answer, which we already touched on. Or am I doing the right thing? You know, talk to us about any experiences along those lines that you had. And then on the other side of the coin, when did it feel like for you, like, I'm on the right path? Like, we got something here. So the first part, um, I I still don't know what I'm doing. Um, most <laughs> days, like, I have I have no idea, man. I'm, I'm just out here trying to figure out. Like, I was working with uh, Peggy Corbett. If you have Hawksoft and you don't work with Peggy Corbett, you're you're missing out. Scott Howe said that on his podcast. He's you know if you don't have Peggy Corbett on your team, you're missing out. And I'm like, <laughs> who's this Peggy Corbett man? I so I hit her up and you know I got agency transformation and and she has literally transformed how I use. I actually had a meeting with her today, um, but you know I'm trying to I'm I'm working with her today on on accords like trying to figure out like this, just sending out certificates and an easier way to do it. Like I don't have anything figured out but i will say there's a lot of people out there that are willing to help you know there's a lot of great people if you're in different groups that are all about just the success of other agents and and that's something that surprised me about our industry and how you know so many people are willing to help out right like i can text scott or bradley i talked to ryan reynolds who's a great dude over in texas met him at a conference in phoenix this year i can text that guy and ask him a question he's on vacation right now but i could text him and ask him a question right like sitting with like mick hunt and chris paradiso and just you know behemoths in our industry that are so willing to offer guidance and help to agents like i you know i was working with um 
Billy Billy Williams, right? I was working with his group for a little bit. I was work. I, I sat and talked with at a baseball game with uh, Billy Wagner for a little bit, right? Big producer out of Florida. So, you know, going to these different conferences, meeting these guys, and putting yourself out there and just asking questions, right? Like, what again? Like, what do you have to lose, right? Like, if you go up to yep. Billy Wagner or Chris Paradis or Scott Howard or any of these guys, and you're like, "Hey, man, I got a question. How can can you help me with this?" and the worst thing that can happen is they're like, get lost, bum, right? Like, that's the worst thing that can happen. They'll, or yep. or maybe they'll actually help you and, and do something. And what I've found is most of these guys will. So number one for me is don't be afraid to ask people for help, right? Um, when I first got started, I had I had no idea what a cord form was. I called one of, my, one of these companies, and they're like, yeah, just fill out a 125, 126, send it over, we'll get it done. I'm like, a <laughs> what? She's like, a 125, 126. I'm like, what is that? Where do we even get it, right? Hawksoft fortunately has that in there. And uh, she, like, took the time, like, Zoomed with me and showed me how to fill out the 125, 12. I, I was like, hey, I'm brand new. I don't know what I'm doing. Can you please help me get figure this out? And she, like, took the And I still work with that company today. I love that company. I sent all my cool. stuff to them first. But, like, just because one underwriter took, you know, 25 minutes to sit with me and yep. fill out a 125, 126, because I asked her, I could have hung up that call and been like, I don't know what to do. Can I Google it? Submitted it all wrong, but don't be afraid to ask people for help. And what was the second part of your question? I forget. I'm sorry. When that kind of the, the moment where you're like, okay, I'm like, we're starting to get wheels under this. Like what, what did the agency, what was maybe that pivotal moment where maybe you just said to yourself, like, we've got something here, like we're doing this, you know, because like, like we like at least three of us know that on this call right now when you're scratch agency it's like a lot of questioning yourself was that enough premium that i brought in last week was am i doing this process the right way and you can go down that wormhole but for you when you were by yourself growing the agency with with very little experience like we talked about what was that moment where you're like all right we got something here so i'm very money motivated i'm not afraid to admit that and so when I see my revenues growing, that's when I'm like, all right, things are going the right way. Um, mm -hmm. I focused really hard in the beginning on premium. I learned from David Carruthers and others that like the premium is the insurance company's money and your money is the revenue. And so I've been retraining my brain to go, wait, this is what's what's the revenue? The revenue is what I live off of. The premiums what the insurance company lives off. I learned that from those guys at a recent conference because I was always counting premium and I still do. I still have my goal set to write $100,000 of premium every month. That's just what I want to do, right? Um I think to your point like I just moved offices so last month um you know when I first started my office I think was like 350 maybe 400 square feet I had three people in there cuz we just hired another person to kind of help with service and stuff and so we're, all of us are sitting in a room like that big right three people I have clients coming in I got mailman coming in I got it's just a chaos man uh fast forward to last month we moved to the space we're in now, which is great. So, like, I have my door closed, right? Like, I didn't have, I didn't even have a door a month ago. Right? <laughs> now I got a door, right? I got a conference table. I got a kitchen. I got, you know, a lobby and all this other stuff. So, I think for me, it was just very recent. Like, okay, things are starting to work out. And the, and the, the, the thing that got me there was, I think, no, I think every month this year, we've had $30,000 or more of company revenue. And so, that for me has been like, okay, we're, we're, we're doing something right. Like, you know, $30,000 a month is not anything to laugh at. So, you know, I, I'm, I, every month, all the 
the commission's download and I'm sitting here and I run them on a calculator and I'm like, cool, this month, 32 grand. And I'm texting my wife. I'm like, can you believe this? Oh my God. <laughs> like, why did we start this like 10 years ago? Right? Like 30 grand a month. And like my expenses are pretty low, right? Like I think I only pay out like between salaries and, um, you know, office expenses, maybe 10, $12,000 a month, something like that. So, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good when, when, you know, the money adds up and that's the yeah. part that like, man, you know, I don't really pay attention to the money part. Cause like I always just sold policies. I, you know, a long time ago in life insurance, I just learned, just do the right thing for people. The money will follow. So I don't really care. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I love Erie. They're a great company, but if you don't buy their product and you decide to go with travelers, great. You try to go with progressive. Cool. You decide to go with, you know, Safeco. I don't care. We just want to sell a policy. So I don't really focus on, her client, like, all right, if I increase this, I'm going to get this much more commission. Like, I don't really care. If I made $100 on a client and they're excited and they had a great experience with Sharp Insurance Agency and now they're going to go tell five other people, that's $500 more I got versus gouging somebody else for 120 bucks. So yep. I don't focus on the money that way, but it's pretty exciting when like, it starts rolling in and you're like, whoa, all right, you know, we're we're doing something right. So that, you know. I never actually thought about that until now when you asked me that question, but it's really just seeing, seeing the revenues grow uh, from a month to month basis. You're like, wow. Like, you know, and also sustaining two other people, right? Like I pay two other people's salary. Like they live off of what we pay them. That's, that's pretty cool. And what you built. Right. And I think, I think what you're trying to say too, is it's like now coming into like year three is maybe when you're starting to see the fruits of your labor. Like this is, what you built. Yeah. This is all yeah. on your back uh, from your it hard is. work, from those late nights. I think people got to be careful, though, because, like, like I was just a maniac. I mean, you're talking 12, 14, 16, 17, 18-hour days. And, like, probably earlier this year, I started to get burned out. Like, I just was like, I can't do this. I'm like, this is out of control. I'm, like, going home. I'm like, all right, let's go back to work. And, you know, I kind of took a couple days throughout this year to kind of recharge and reset. But... You got to be careful with that because you will get burnt out. But if you do it, you know, if you run hard, like when I was a life insurance manager, I would tell people, if you build this business right for the first three years, you'll be able to live your life like most people can for the rest of your life. And I took that same mentality into this business. And I'm like, man, if I can just run hard for the next three to five years, build a business that is going to sustain itself, then I'll be able to live like most people can. So that's like literally been my goal, just build all this up. That's why I try to chase that $100,000 a month so much so that we can get to the five or $6 million in premium. Because now, you know, I want to get to right now, my goal is to get to $600,000 in revenue. If I can get to $600,000 in revenue, my wife can leave her job. Why? Well, because she carries her healthcare and healthcare is expensive and she works for the county and she basically pays nothing for it. But if I don't really care about $20,000 a year for healthcare and I can bring her in, pay her salary, recover her salary plus her benefits, you know, she's got her pension or whatever. But if I can replace that with income, then she doesn't have to go there. She can come here, help me build this and we can get it out even faster. Right. So, you know, right now my goal is to get to $60,000 of revenue a month. That's pretty much all I chase every day. I'll come in and I'm like, all right, what are we going to do today to get that much more revenue? Mm. Yeah. I think what, what I love about this, Mike is, a lot of people talk that, hey, I work 12 hours, 15 hours, 18 hours, whatever the case is. But what I think is important to understand with your situation for the audience is that you put that time into the right tasks, nine to five. I am, 
I am only doing revenue producing tasks. And I think as simple as that sounds, a lot of people don't do that. Well, I think a lot you of know? people get caught up with the, Hey, I'm, I'm working because I sat here and figured out how to yes. do my Google stuff today. I'm they, working just because I answered busy, all these they emails. Think, yes. Yeah, like you're just busy with nonsense. Like if you didn't get three to five people to like three to five real people, and I don't mean quote wizard leads and all this other jazz that you can buy. I mean <laughs> real people that like you know your two house, you know a house, two cars, one car, maybe a camp, whatever, right? But like yeah. a legit like solid home and auto, and you get three to five of those, you know, you can close. 60, 70% of that, you're going to be fine. But, you know, I, I said to somebody else, I'm like, dude, if you don't have that and you're just sitting in your office, like go sit at Panera Bread, wait for someone to walk in, ask you what you're doing and tell them you're asking them if they want a quote, you know, like go find people to write insurance with. That's, that's what your job is. Like you don't even have a job. Like if you wake up, like we're all basically 1099, right? Like you might own the agency and pay yourself W2, fine. But if you don't bring in business, you're not getting paid. So really, if you think about it, every day you wake up, you're unemployed until you sell a policy. Mm. Right? Rewind you're that. Unemployed. Let's do that again. Absolutely. You're unemployed until you sell a policy every day. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Man, that's good stuff. Um, I want to I change the conversation just a little bit again, going back to something that you said in the beginning, that the first hire who was just an individual that was answering phones you then finish that sentence by saying you don't know where you'd be at. Uh, uh, is it he, she was the best part of the agency. Talk to us about Mike Sharp's transition from this is a one man show to now we've got this first hire to now you're the leader and maybe some you know challenges, some surprising um, strengths you had or whatever you found as you transitioned uh, through that journey of being the agency owner. Because yeah, and, and, and the, the reason the reason I asked the question is because it it shows your ability to lead from having someone that just started answering phones that's now licensed in a full time staff. So I'm just curious to kind of you know how that worked and, and and details on that. Yeah, I think it's the hardest part, right? Because the agency owner, like you know, like I said, if you worked for an agency before, you walked in and they had procedures manual and everything's there. But when you're a scratch agent, you don't have any experience, you don't really know what to do. Like putting it all together and telling people how, exactly how to do things is the hardest part. I think having that person with me at the very beginning and basically working with me to develop these things has been helpful, right? I think also the ownership she has in some of the task and, and how we built things out has been helpful. Um, and I think that it's all about how you really treat people, right? So um, I've never been the kind of person, like, I'm the boss. You know, you're, you're going to listen to what I have to say. Like, that's just not how I operate. Like, you know, we're all people. And we want people to be here with us, but we, they also live a life outside of your agency, you know? And I think most importantly, a lot of people will tell you this, but like, you know, your family and everything's always number one. Well, if you believe that and your employees calling you and saying, hey, my kids are sick and they're going to be sick for the next couple of days, um, not going to be able to come in and you're like, well, you need to get me a doctor's excuse and you better do this and you better do that. And I can't believe you're not going to be here at my agency. How's that going to make them feel? Why would they right. want to come back to you? Why would they want to work for you? So for me, like, I just, I just ask people, like, don't abuse it. Like take, you know, like we're adults. Don't call me tomorrow. I'm like, oh, I can't make an invite. I'm sick. <laughs> you're sick. You're sick. Call me and say, Hey man, I don't feel good today. I'm going to take the day. Cool. Don't make a habit of it. It's all. Very simple. Right. Like just, just be respectful. Like, you know, obviously we need you here to help grow and, and do the thing, but you know, and I've heard that like people that have worked here have been like, 
yeah, every other boss is not like this. And I'm like, I don't know what they're like. Maybe, I don't know what they're doing, but like, you know, we're just people. Like, just talk to me like you'd want to be talked to. Treat me like you'd want to be treated. Like, I have kids. I get it. They get sick. They need picked up from school. You have emergencies come up that are beyond your control. Like, I get it, right? So, you know, not treating people, you know, like, like jerks just because, like, I gave them a job and they work here. Like, so what? Like, the most important thing isn't here for them. The most important thing is at their house. So, you know, I try to, like, make sure, like, you know, they know that I really do care about them. Like, I, I really do care that, like, their families are healthy and safe. And if they have a problem, like, how can I help you? Like, I'm sorry this is going on. Like, what do you need, right? Like, you know, my one, the girl that works for me now, like, her kid went in. He was young. He had to get tubes in. Like, I'm messaging her. Like, hey, is everything okay? How's your son's surgery? Are you guys good? Like, not in a bothering way of, like, can't believe you're not at work. But, like, in a serious, concerned way that, like, you know, your kid went under anesthesia for the first time. Like, are you okay? Do you guys need anything? Like, can I send you guys dinner tonight? Do you know what I mean? So just like being genuinely caring about people, I think is important. Um, from there, I don't know that I've done a great job. Last year, I went through a period where I've hired, I hired like four people and three of them were terrible, right? Like I've made a lot of mistakes. I just hired people because we needed help. I brought them in. They weren't good. I had one person that was really good, um, but she ended up getting a job that was work from home. They paid her $50,000 a year benefits and she could sit at her house. And so can't blame her for that. She was great, liked working here. She actually became a customer. We still talk to her all the time. But, um, you know, I don't know that I've done, I've done a great job with that. We hired again this year. That person's pretty good, but, you know, unfortunately she had an emergency surgery this week she's out she's messaging me like i'm so sorry i know what this is doing to your business and i'm like my business is not number one when it comes to your health take care of yourself we'll be here when you're done i hope you feel better that's it i'm not gonna keep bothering here like that's just it's all about how you treat people man you know if you treat people good they'll treat you good and i think that's why people that have been here liked working here three of those people last year we terminated on our end not on their end they just did some dumb stuff and couldn't tolerate it so they had to go the other yep. person she got that better job but every they all liked working here they were really upset that we had to part ways so i think a lot of it's just you know i care about the people and their families and just want them to be successful yeah no it sounds like you're building a, a good culture over there and before steven asks the last famous question we have on this podcast i just want to tell you mike one thing i really appreciate appreciate about your story is Dude, you're just a go-getter, man. Like, I, I'm already going back to the beginning of this podcast. You open up a scratch agency with no PNC experience. You have some, you have sales experience, but no PNC experience. You make it work. You call Erie. They tell you, eh, can't get an appointment. You come across a post, take advantage of the opportunity. Reach out again anyway, right? You wind up getting the Erie appointment. You call travelers. Ah, yeah, we're not looking. You know, I'm not really appointing any scratch agents. You follow up consistently and get the appointment. Um, then you have the thing with Hawksoft. You just hear from Scott. You call Peggy, and now all of a sudden you have a great relationship with Hawksoft, and you have a great management system and all that stuff. So I just wanted to commend you on that, man, because that's it's not a, a trait a lot of people have. And just you doing that almost a million or a million the first year with no PNC experience—it's crazy—is is, is mind blowing. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. So. 
Yeah, I didn't know Hats that, off to right? You. Like, I did my business plan with Ethereum. Like, I kind of researched <laughs> it, did some Google stuff, and I was like, all right, man, if we could do $250,000 in the first year, I think that's awesome. That's what most people say. Plus, that was the threshold yep. to meet the loan requirement, right? That was 250 So I'm like, cool. We mm-hmm. knocked that out by December <laughs> yeah, of the first, you know, from August 2020 to the end of December. So I had – I still – like – until people were like, hey, man, that's awesome that you're producing $75,000, $80,000 a month. I had no idea that like yeah. what you were supposed to – because like in the scratch world, there's no like there, – or in the independent world, there's not like people that are coming down here and going, hey, you know, this is State Farm. And just like other State Farms in the same zip code, you should be doing this by now. In the scratch world, you're just out here trying to figure it out, man. You're like a bird that just got tossed out of a nest and you're like trying to figure out how to fly, right? Like there's no – blueprint and there's a million different ways to do every single thing right like there's tons of different management systems tons of different phone systems tons of different ways to send quotes get quotes video quotes this that like there's no one here like trying to help you figure out you know yeah, yeah but and so then, it's just crazy to sean's point again we never heard you say i called five people and said what should i be writing monthly you just wrote the insurance you said, like, yeah, like you did from the beginning. That, right? Like, you just got to sell insurance. So, like, you right. just go out and you just try to sell insurance. And, like, you know, I, yeah, that's what I did. So, and we, and we, of... and we, and, and, you know, Sean and I talk a lot about this on the podcast with the guests we have about comparing yourself to people in different areas and talking premium, which we just went over a little bit. And, like, just do you, focus on what you can do, put your head down and do it. And this episode is a, a great example for that. But, Mike, we're going to hit you with our last famous question. Tomorrow morning, you wake up. You start over from zero. You got to do it again. Sharp Insurance starts over from zero tomorrow morning. What's one thing you'd do differently? Oh, the first thing I would do differently is build the agency to where I'm not the only one that can, like, deal with everything. Like, even if I'm by myself, I would, like, because, I mean, so, like, in the beginning, I'm, like, I didn't want to miss anything. People were calling. So like all the phone systems and everything rings to me. I had all my emails all the time coming to me. Like, I think like I try to provide so much access to customers that like now three years in, I'm like, Oh my God, it's seven 30. Why are you texting me? You know, at night or something like that. And so I think like if I could start over again, I would just build that out so that like, I wasn't the only one that got all of the messages and emails and text and things like that. And just set up better expectation with customers. I think because I was like new and I just wanted to get business all the time. Like I just, and I'm still available now. Like they, any of my customers will tell you, like they can reach me, you know, I'm on vacation. I see an email come in. I'll probably answer it. You know, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I should build that boundary, but I want people to feel like, Hey man, like when they call their insurance agent after they have insurance, it's not because they want to say hi and ask me how I'm doing. Something's <laughs> right. wrong and they need <laughs> right. me. Right. So like I try to be there and available for them when they need that. And so, um, you know, but because of that, you're always working. You're mm-hmm. always, always working. And that part's a little bit difficult. You know, I've learned to like kind of see things come in and go, you know what, I'm going to purposely not answer this until the morning because it's nine 30 and it's, not an emergency right you know but yeah. just yep. probably that like just figure out how to like not have it look like it's coming to me it'll come to the agency but like i don't want to i don't want to be dealing with everything at 9 30 10 o'clock at night with people all the time 
Well, set, setting those boundaries in the beginning so that when you scale and continue to grow, it's not more of a yeah. problem, more of a headache. I didn't for do sure. that, right? Like I just was, I'm just always available because I did so much stuff on Facebook. Like people feel comfortable just messaging me on messenger at like nine 30, 10 o'clock at night. They're mm -hmm. like, they're just comfortable with that. And I, you know, I got them that way. They were messaging me at nine 30, 10 o'clock at night asking for a quote. And I'm like, yeah, you know, so right. once they're a customer, why can't they do that for a claim situation or a question about different insurance or something like that? And I, well, just create a just create a bot that replies to it and says, "Sorry, we've reached the five thousand friend amount, and you're gonna have to wait in line." <laughs> yeah, I should. That'd be funny. Well, Mike, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, for people that want to maybe just pick your brain, um, we know you've reached the friend limit on Facebook. What's a good way to follow you along, or, or uh, just follow your journey, get in touch with you if somebody wants to reach out? Uh, just LinkedIn, like LinkedIn. I don't think LinkedIn has a limit, so. That's why I just tell him when I go there because I'm on there every day too. So, you know, just, I think it's Mike J Sharp on LinkedIn or Mike Sharp on LinkedIn. But yeah, just link in with me, and you know, if you ever want to chat or catch up or talk about this or challenges or just questions, I don't know anything and try to figure everything out like everybody else. But if I can be of help, man, I'm, I'm more than willing. I love being able to do what others have done for me. So if I can help somebody mm -hmm. else, like absolutely, love it. Well, thanks very much for spending the time with us here. And uh, everybody, that is another episode of the Scratch Agency Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Do us a favor, like the show, share the show, and subscribe. Most importantly, remember to dig down deep, believe in yourself, and own your own future. We'll see you next week. Take care.